Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Margo McAuliffe on the RiderFlex podcast for the second time. Hi, Margo. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing fine. You in San Diego, California? Whereabouts? I am in San Diego, and I'm sitting in the office of our president. He has ah. very bad taste in decor, you might notice. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking what a stark background I chose. <laughs> Ah, uh, looks okay. I appreciate you coming back on the show. I was listening to a little bit of our first interview. It was almost three years ago, believe it or not. Are you kidding me? Yes, yes. It was May of 2019. I was like, wow, it's almost three years ago. Holy cow. Wow, so much has changed. Like, not I just know. in the world, but in Gabby's, well, wow, and me personally as well. I, I want to hear all about it. Yeah, well, you've been through some stuff, with lots of changes uh, with yourself and Gabby. I want to hear all about it. We, um, yeah, that was even before COVID. That was, I mean, wow, that was such a long time ago. And now we've had like, I don't know, 250 people on the show. And you were, I think you were in like first 20 or something. I can't remember. But anyway, appreciate you coming back on. Like a vintage wine. <laughs> I wanted to see what, I, I can't remember what happened. I saw something online or something on LinkedIn or I saw something. I'm like, oh, I gotta get, I gotta get Margo back on the show. And so I pinged you. So thanks for coming on. Give, uh, Give us an update with you personally first. What's going on with Margo? So you're a new grandma? I'm a new grandma. That's the best and most exciting thing that's happened to me in the last three years. My only son and his wife had a son. Uh, his name is, is CJ, Chris Jr., named after my son. And uh, yeah, they call me Nana and I'm loving it. Uh, so how old? Three months. Three months? Three months, okay. It's a, it's, a, it's a cool thing to be a grandparent. I have two granddaughters. Uh, and um, at first I didn't like the fact that I'm, I'm grandpa, like, okay, that makes me feel super old, but you kind of you ease into it. <laughs> yeah, I said the same thing when my son, I mean, I was very excited when they told me that they were expecting and my son asked me, what, did you, what do you want to be called? And I said, Margo. And he said, mom, you can't have your grandchild call you Margo. And I said, well, I don't want to be called granny or grandma. <laughs> it was like, you know, very egocentric. And, yeah. but I, like you, I got over it and, and I just love it. And I can't wait for him to actually say the word Nana. Ah, uh, very cool. So you're, yeah. you're, you're in San Diego and, you, and remind me now you had the one son, are you married? I can't remember what's going on with you personally. Give us the, the rest of the update I'm, there. I'm in a long-term relationship, so I'm common law. Living okay. in Palo Alto with them. I nice see. man. Puts uh, up with me. Anybody can put up with me for six years is pretty phenomenal. <laughs> All right. What's he do? He just retired in January. He was in charge of global sales for a cyber cybersecurity or cyber security company. Really? Okay. Ooh, man, I bet he's got all kinds of stories, huh? He probably knows all kinds of stuff. Oh my God. He, he <laughs> he's been in it for 40 years. He was in the early days of Oracle. 
he he tells me stories about you know the early days of, of some of these startups that he worked at that are just hysterical he's got you know antics about uh, Larry Ellis and just you know what a smart but eccentric man he is and just some really great stories about people that you hear about that he's got one-on-one -on -one, you know relationships or experience with really cool uh, is your uh, because you guys are together now is your laptop is your email your home like is everything like super locked down like super 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 well <laughs> funny you know he actually shakes his head at me because my passwords are password or one two three four or hello and he just says you know really you got to do something about that but he, so far i haven't uh, i talked to a cybersecurity guy one time on the on the show and i said well do i have to worry about being attacked and he's like look he's like unless you're somebody important like like you really i mean chances of you getting hacked are slimmer like if they want to hack you they're going to and the only reason they're going to is if like you have information they need and, and so i was like okay well i don't really have any information they need so chances of me getting hacked are slim <laughs> anyway i hope so um, i hope that's the case for me too what's the uh, give us the latest so when i when we first met you had Gabriella's Kitchen going on, right? And then that yeah. was before the transformation or transition to Gabby. G give us an update from 2019 to today. Go for it. So um, you might remember we listed on the, the Canadian Securities Exchange in 2018. And then in 2019, we bought our first cannabis license, which was Sonoma Pacific Distribution. And we did a, a, a raise with uh, GMP in June of 2019. Okay. And then we brought brands to market. So our, our the idea was that we were we had experience in brands in, in the mainstream with our food business, and we wanted to bring you know food that was um, edibles, I guess you would call them in the right. cannabis world, I to market yeah. in the in the cannabis um, world parallel to the mainstream world. And as we got into the business, we came to appreciate that you know the California market really wasn't ready for edibles in a big way. The market was still really dominated by flower and flower brands and because you were early, you, you were early on can on edibles. I remember. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so we pivoted, you know, or evolved, and and uh, we brought some edibles to market, but we also brought some flower brands to market. Okay. And we distributed self-distributed as well as distributed for third parties. And we did that for about a year and then came to the realization that, you know, th there's challenges in the California retail environment for cannabis and that it was really hard to, to rely on third party, uh, third party retailers to get our brand known to the consumer because oftentimes in the cannabis world, you know, the, the, the operators are a little bit less sophisticated than in the mainstream world. So they may not replenish on time, you know, they may not have funds to, to buy inventory again, you know, right away. They uh, aren't necessarily loyal to a particular brand, you know, they'll often just be motivated by pricing. Bud tenders, you know, aren't uh, necessarily going to, to sell your brand. And there's a, they are the intermediary in most cases when a consumer walks into a dispensary. So we came to the realization that if we wanted to get our brands to market, the best way to do that was going to be via retail, via owning our own retail. And did you have, your, also, own, did you have your own grow facility or you were just wholesale? No, we, oh. Just wholesale. We, we okay. bought everything. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. So we decided that we needed to get into retail. We also came to the conclusion that uh, retail wasn't being very, wasn't being done very well in California mm. and, and no disrespect, you know, it's still a young industry. 
Um, and then we really felt that in order for the, the industry to really grow, we needed to bring that mainstream consumer in without alienating the traditional consumer. So, you know, generally what was happening was you'd, you'd have dispensaries that would launch like a MedMen that would be really focused on that mainstream consumer, or you'd have some another um, dispensary brand like a Cookies, which might be really focused on the traditional consumer. And we wondered, is there a way that we can you know, create a, an, an environment that caters to both the traditional consumer, which is usually a young male audience that's been you know, consuming for a long time, Mm -hmm. I'm in very sophisticated, really know what they want with that mainstream consumer that's more, um, less experienced. Like yeah, more yeah, like me, like. <laughs> and me, to be honest, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you, how do you marry that? Well, I think, you know, we figured out the, the way to do it. So we acquired a dispensary in April of 21 called Mankind. It's April of 21, April of 21. Holy cow. You, okay. That was brave. That was right when COVID was starting and you bought a dispensary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, you just, you just plow along. You just, I find you have to either get around, overcome or kick through the obstacles. Right. Oh, wow. All right. So, so you, bought, yeah. you bought a dispensary. Okay. It was just one location, one location in San Diego. And it, it, um, you know, we evolved the model and, uh, I think we did a really good job of, of finding that middle ground where we have traditional consumers and we have mainstream consumers and we've really have a, a very um, well-educated staff and they, uh, if you come in, if the mainstream consumer usually comes in and will be looking for an effect. So they don't come in and say, hey, I wanna get high. They mostly come in and say, I need something for anxiety or I need something for sleep or I, I need something for relaxation or I need something for fatigue, you know? So they'll come in with looking for a particular effect. And that's really where you build the relationship. And our staff is so well-educated on our products and our store is so well merchandised that uh, you know the consumer gets what they're looking for, and it, it really helps to build that loyal relationship. Hey, so why didn't you our, change? Why didn't you change the name? You you kept the name Mankind. You didn't want to rebrand it, Gabby, or what was the strategy there? You know, we haven't really come to a final conclusion about what we're going to do. It just isn't really that important right now. Okay. Right now, it, what's really important is developing the the reputation as being somebody that accommodates both traditional and mainstream consumers mm. and eventually we'll do some marketing and some analysis around you know what the brand should be we're also looking to grow and looking to to increase the number of locations we've got and expand our footprint and so you know we won't do the rebranding until we've got at least 10 locations under our belt and then we'll figure out whether we're going to rebrand everything as gabby rebrand everything as mankind or rebrand everything as something else so we've, we're probably about a year away from making that decision. Uh, do you sell the strains that you sell in the store? Are they your wholesale strains or is it a mix of mix of yours and others? Or what are you selling in that location? Yeah, it's a mix. So in January of 21, we worked with the vendors of Mankind and, and the, the executives and we launched a new brand called Kind Republic. And it's a flower brand, a pre-roll brand, and a uh, we're just launching a vape brand under that uh, that that brand name, and we sell it only in our location. And it I was going to say, very, yeah, very well. you, you beat me to it. How, why don't you wholesale it to other locations? We, you know, we might eventually, but we have such great success selling it in our own store. We sold almost two million dollars worth of product with no advertising, you know, no nothing, just wow. putting it on shelf and just having our our sales staff speak to it, and you know, consumers really liked it. 
Wow. Okay. Okay. So we are right. looking at. We're we're definitely thinking about entering into a relationship with a third-party distribution company to get it into third-party retailers. But all the problems that we experienced with having our brands in third-party retailers still exist. Mm -hmm. So I just don't know how you know profitable it really is. But we're look. We're going to look at it. Okay. Very good. I'm getting I'm getting just a slight delay sometimes in your in your your feed, but I think I think it's fine. We'll just keep going. I think we're okay. Uh, so so let me make sure I understand. So right now Gabby Inc. is is a dispensary, but also is there is there a, is, does Gabby Inc. also own wholesale LLCs? What's the makeup of the of the of the of the organization? So it's primarily retail. I'd say 90 odd percent of our revenue comes from retail. Okay. We have a manufacturing and we have a distribution license, but I, we really use those for the benefit of our retail store now. I see. Okay. 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 All right. Very good. It sounds like you got super frustrated at trying to put your, your branded product in other stores and they'd watch them just crap all over it and not, not treat it right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't know if I'd paint it that way. Um, it really came down to economics. It just was so ah. expensive. So as an example, you know, when we put Kind Republic on shelf, we sold a million dollars worth of product in six months. In that six month period, we sold a million dollars worth of proprietary product to third party dispensaries. But just mm. look at the difference in cost, right? Yes. Putting it on shelf yes. at a 75% margin versus selling it via third party retailers and losing money on it, yes. right? Yes. So well, it just now, didn't make sense. Are you partnered with a specific grower that's growing a specific strain for you? How does that, can you educate the listener on how that works? Uh, we don't have a, we have a long-term relationship, I guess you call that a partnership with a number of different cultivators and- Cultivators, thank we, you, yes. And yeah. we have, um, we've got a really strong team of, of people that are much more sophisticated than I am, who know exactly what to look for in the product in terms of the quality okay. and the value. And, uh, and they do the purchasing for us. If oh, when we were young, there was not, there wasn't, a, I mean, at least from what I remember, I'm 54. Like I, I there wasn't strains and all these different names. I don't remember. I don't remember any of that. When I was in college or high school, I just remember people had weed or they didn't have weed. There was no. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> now it's, it's really sophisticated. I mean, the, the people understand the terpene content, the, you know, cannabinoid content. Yes, and it's not just about the THC anymore, and the combination of you know the, the different components that make up the flower have a different effect. You know, you can have the same exact uh, quality product, but one would have different terpenes than another, or more uh, of one terpene than another, and it'll have a different effect on you. I mean, what we know now about cannabis versus what you and I knew when we were kids yes. is like night and day. It's not even the same plant. I totally agree. Couldn't agree more. So the plan now then is to to extend retail, possibly rebrand. You know, retail for cannabis is so difficult from what I understand from all the people I've talked to. Of course, I live in Colorado and I know tons of people in the industry. Lots of them have been on the podcast. It's tough with the taxes and, and things like that to actually make money. I mean, they're doing revenue but a lot of them are struggling to be profitable, you know, to actually make money. Are, are you seeing the same things? Do you, are, do you have to scale to 20 or 30 or 40 locations before you can actually make money? I don't know how many, how much detail you want to give me, but I'm just curious because what, from what I've heard is 
like if you own one or two dispensaries, it's very difficult to make, to make money, make profitable money. So, you know, we're, we're profitable and we have one location, but it's a, it's a, a high volume location. So okay. we do about $25 million in revenue annually from that location. One location, so, one location. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, and that's, that's not, there are other uh, locations in California owned by other operators that do, you know, equally well. So it might be the California market. Cause I know everybody is just overwhelmed when I give them that stat. I, I, that's unbelievable. 25 million for one. Re How big is the store? Um, it's, it has 420 merchandisable feet, not big. Whoa, whoa, hold on. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're doing 20. No, that, no, that can't be right. <laughs> Did you just say it 420 is. square feet of selling space? You're doing of selling space and you're doing 20. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. How do I invest? How do I, where do I invest? Well, Gabby, G-A-B-Y on the Canadian Securities Exchange or G-A-B-L-F on the OTCQB. Go for it. Thank you for bringing that up, by the way, uh, for uh, the listeners. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gab GabbyInc.com. GabbyInc.com is the website. Well, yeah, if you can open up 20 more locations of 500 square feet and do $20 million, I mean, hell. I, yeah, plus 75% gross margins. I mean, well, that's just on our proprietary products, those gross margins. I understand. Yeah, I understood. Yeah, but, you know, the blended but margin, is, but the blended margin is probably still 50. It's it's just under. <laughs> wow, that's pretty good. That's pretty I good. I mean, it, we, we have a, a very well-run store. It's well-merchandised. You know, our buyers really know what to buy. And our staff is really well educated and really knows how to help the consumer feel good about what they're buying and help them buy the product that they want. And the consumer comes back. So we've got a very loyal consumer base. That that 2021 after you bought it, the first 12 months, were, were there some scary times because of COVID or it really didn't affect you that much? Uh, well, we pivoted, right, and, and came up with curbside pickup and uh, okay. really focused on delivery. So okay. a lot of the, the business kind of moved around a little bit. And now we're seeing it shifting again as the restrictions are, are alleviated. But, you know, consumers had, that couldn't go into the store would either do curbside or delivery. And then as the, the, the um, restrictions are lifting, we're seeing many people coming back into the store. So there's kind of a shifting from different channels back into retail, into um, brick and mortar retail. Why wouldn't you always have it delivered? I mean, if well, exactly right. I mean, <laughs> that's our focus. So yeah. now, you know, I, what I said to the team was, I don't want to see people just shifting around. I want to see actual growth in our delivery. And there's some consumers like who have changed their, their buying habits and who just don't really go into brick and mortar retail anymore. Yes. I, ha I have to say, like, you know, I've changed my buying habits. Totally, I, I spend a lot more time online buying things online than I ever have. And, uh, you know, I'd be happy to have a relationship with a, a good store that has a good brand that can help me buy equally well via delivery as, as you know, as well as going into the store. And that's our, that's what we're working on now. So right no now delivery is about, it's about 10% of our revenue and we want to grow it to about 30%. Is there a surcharge for that or, or anything like that? What do you have to get the extra? No, um, it's it's basically a minimum order, right? And it's free delivery. What? Free delivery? Okay. Same I day. Why, I don't know. Why, I don't know why everybody isn't doing delivery. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. It's you have to you have to know how to do it because it's expensive, right? 
And we, we've done a lot of trial and error, but we've now find the, found the magic um, formula and we're able to do it, you know, do it well, do it profitably, do it to the satisfaction of our consumers. What we need to do is fix our e-commerce platform because it's not, I mean, I think consumers who buy online have an expectation that the platform is going to be very um, obstacle free, if you will, uh, seamless. Yeah. And, I, didn't see uh, a cart. I, didn't, I didn't see a cart on your website. Did I miss that? You you might have it, it's under it's under the mankind you you might have to click onto mankind oh, oh I see I see okay okay got and our All website right. is 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 a, a work in progress we continue to evolve it as, as we learn more about what consumers are looking for but okay. the platform's a little bit clunky right now so we're we're looking to streamline that so you can go online and order and it ships to your house via the mail or somebody has to drive it over there what are the rules? no it has to be driven over so we have a fleet of drivers and and vehicles aren't you from canada originally i am originally from canada i mean canada you can just they just ship it in fedex don't they yeah but the flower is not as good so it's give and take oh the california really really california wheat is the best i see why do you say that i'm ignorant i'm ignorant to why that is you educate me the the uh, culture of cannabis in California is just so sophisticated and so evolved, and they've also got the terroir and the experience of the wine industry and the agricultural mm. industry. Mm. So mm. if if you if you're really looking for something of high quality, would you rather buy it from Northern California or buy it from a, a somewhere in, in industrial Ontario? Mm. Okay, yeah, I see. But you can't ship across state lines or anything like that. Right? No, not yeah, yet. Okay. Hopefully that'll come in the next five to ten years. Yeah, is that your estimation on federal, uh, federally becoming legally? Or I didn't say that. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually think it's going to come as an. It's going to be an evolution, right? So, right now, what's what everybody's talking about is the Safe Banking Act, and we really need that that would allow chartered banks to do business with cannabis companies and it could open up the capital markets to access to for cannabis companies that would be a big big win and if we got that and that's all we got for the next couple of years i would be happy and we would just continue doing our our, our business the if we got more than that the next stage would be descheduling and then i think what might happen after descheduling is basically it becomes it, it stops being it being cannabis stops being federally illegal but it doesn't necessarily get um you, it doesn't necessarily open up interstate commerce that has to be done as the next step so as i anticipate safe banking possibly descheduling within a year maybe two years after that and then interstate commerce a couple years after that what happens when it gets lifted federally and interstate commerce happens and then walgreens walgreens has it on the shelves what happens then to stores like yours uh, I mean, we're a premium store and we're, we understand that eventually, you know, there's going to be a lot more competition in the market and a lot more competition from some of these big CPG companies. Right. But what we're doing is building relationships one customer at a time with really high quality product, good pricing and educated sales staff. So you when you go into Walgreens, sorry, when you go into Walgreens to buy shampoo, you know, nobody comes and asks you, would you like some help? Right. Yeah. You're, you have this array of shampoo on the shelf and you have to pick and choose which one you want to use. No one's going to help you. And if you have 
an issue with dandruff and you or you and you have a sensitive scalp you know what what product do you want to use that that you know deals with your sensitivity and with your dandruff or if you have you know oily hair or dry hair whatever you know that's just a random example so you know when you come into our store we'll leave you alone you know you will let you shop and browse and look at things but we'll also let you know that we're available if you need any assistance and a lot of times people ask for help especially with a product like cannabis that has so many different components to it and a lot of people don't really understand all of the components so oh, try getting no that kind of assistance at walgreens yeah no doubt about it do you hope that a big cpg company eventually purchases your 25 store chain <laughs> our 250 store chain absolutely <laughs> uh okay and what what's going on with the stock i, I don't i don't know if that's a touchy subject or not but I, i'm trying it is uh, a touchy subject it's okay. you know we're, we're so undervalued it's just so painful and there's didn't a lot I see, of reasons didn't I, see, I saw a 13 million dollar market cap on it is did i see that yeah but we okay. should be trading at, at probably you know three to five times that okay based on what our, our competitors are trading at you know we're trading at less than the, than our revenue uh, our market yeah. cap is lower than our revenue yeah yeah right yeah right so yep. um there's three things that, that impact price one is market sentiment one is awareness and the other is execution so we're executing on all cylinders i'm working now you know that i've got a really good management team i can step back from day-to-day -day operations and i'm really working on building the awareness about our company and then market sentiment is just something i can't control and cannabis has been out of favor you know there's a lot of investors that had hoped that the biden administration was going to really tackle cannabis with it as a priority and it hasn't so a lot of people are disappointed and you know just kind of not really investing having taking more of a wait and see attitude so it's i believe it's temporary is, is my point isn't the market flooded as well are you waiting for people to die off so you can gain more market share i mean there's just i mean here let me give you an example i grew up in oklahoma and i was back home recently for for some family stuff and uh i was like it's like holy shit there's a dispensary on every corner like there's more dispensaries here than people uh, you know like it, there's no way that many dispensaries are going to survive. So I'm just wondering, is some of it because it's just the market is just flooded right now with competition or no? It's it isn't really flooded in California. There's about between 700 and 800 locations, brick and mortar locations in California for a population of 36 million. So there's lots of room for new dispensaries. Okay. So it, I, I really do believe that we're, our story's not well known and I don't think people are realizing how good we are at retail, what good operators we are. And uh, I think that the market sentiment is just, you know, not really conducive to people investing in cannabis right now. Is that but, because all, you know, these investors, I, I, all these rich investors from the East Coast, they're, they're like, oh, I'm gonna invest a million dollars and then three years later, I'm gonna make 50 million and, and, and then that didn't happen. It, that's exactly right. There was a lot of promotion going on in the early days of cannabis, and a lot of people were disappointed. I, I remember. I know some of the. I've had drinks with some of those people. <laughs> I know, right. I know some. Of, but you hung in there. You were in there early. You you you've been. You've got some scars on your back. You you were in there early, and you fought through it. And here you are running yeah. the, the big time revenue store. Good for you. Yeah, it's been a journey. We've learned a lot, and we're in it for the long haul. I respect the fact that you've pivoted, you've you, you grinded through it. You know what? Can I ask you? This is probably another touchy subject. What, what what's what's going on with your brother? Your, your brother was working with you, and then he disappeared. He did something else. What, what's going on? There's some family dynamics in there. <laughs> there are some family dynamics. Um, 
you know, he, he basically came to me and said that uh, he didn't think he had the experience that, that I needed at that stage of development. So he was a startup guy. He put the processes in place, mm -hmm. but didn't really feel that um, he had what it took to take us to the next level. So he stepped down and we brought somebody else on who didn't really work out. We brought a, a very strong CPG player in who didn't really understand startups and worked with him for a year, but really didn't get the progress that we were looking for because he didn't really know how to run a startup. You know, he came you know, from big CPG, you know, didn't didn't roll up his sleeves and get into the so-called weeds, right? And um, so yeah. it just didn't work out. So, you know, he moved on. And uh, for the next year, I basically did all the heavy lifting on my own. And now I've got a, a, a guy who is phenomenal understands the the retail environment understands you know how to build a good strong culture understands how to build a team gets into the the details he the other day he was telling me he was sat in the parking lot and just watched consumers coming in and out just to, to get a sense for you know the 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 dynamics and the flow of, of our business you know like mm -hmm. that's commitment i saw his profile he worked for starbucks and a bunch of other people i, I looked him up before the podcast yeah i saw that yeah yeah um, he's great brilliant guy okay very good very good all right i'm glad that that's working out uh, very good do you have do you have family members that um are still super conservative like when you see them at christmas or thanksgiving or whatever they're like i can't believe you're in the canvas industry or, or no even my mom actually i mean she passed away just before covid god bless her um but my she was completely open-minded i mean in fact my son called me once he was at, at visiting his nana and he called me and he said, you won't believe what I just said to Nana. And I said, what? And he said, I, I said to her, Nana, I'll be right back. I'm just going to go buy some weed. <laughs> and he said, did you ever think that I'd be able to say that to her and not get slapped? <laughs> <laughs> were you, what, did you have to hide, uh, hide that from your mom when you were uh, in, in high school? Or was she like I was not a consumer when I was in high school. How I was not a consumer until I got into the business. No. Oh, 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 interesting. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. All right. All right. Very so not even my sister college. on the you other never, hand you never smoked in college i did not wow you, what are you, what, my, you straight a, you, you straight a my, student <laughs> i basically i was very unhip whatever the, the the proper description is my sister on the other hand she did everything everything that i didn't do she did and she was very hip she was like uh, you know she didn't she she did all the right things and i just was too serious but you know that's family dynamics, right? I was the oldest daughter. I had to be the responsible one, according to my mom. And I was. <laughs> <laughs> How about your brother? Was he wild or was he in between somewhere? In between somewhere. Okay. Got caught right. once crawling in, in into the house through his bedroom window. My mom waited for him and he's, he had to crawl in, you know, legs first and she grabbed him by the legs. He said he just about had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> so he had a few of those escapades. Uh, give me give me a fun story uh, when you did get into the business where give me something interesting or fun where you were like either at a conference or you're at a meeting and like somebody whips out, I don't know, some powerful weed and you you, you feel obligated to smoke with them because I don't know, you're trying to win them over and then you're like, oh, shit, this was like, I can't. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't do that, but I did something similar. When I first got into the business, I thought, OK, I, I need to understand the products that I'm selling. So, you know, I can speak with with authenticity. Yeah, and right. so I, I just start, started using tinctures because they were measurable. Oh, and so I just every every day at, at night, because I used it mainly for sleep, I just took a little bit more 
and then a little bit more and then the next day a little bit more and I just kept doing that until I wanted to figure out what my tolerance level was it was quite low so I, I won't tell you what it was <laughs> but one morning I two woke up and two milligrams it was seven okay <laughs> which is still less than a legal dose that's but, still you know. pretty low yeah so I, uh, I I woke up and and my head was spinning and I thought oh my god I am totally stoned so I couldn't sleep because I my head was spinning so much I had to get up I sat in my favorite chair and got the munchies as you know is customary. So here I was at 4 a.m. eating toast and peanut butter until I could <laughs> till the world stopped spinning so I could go back to bed. <laughs> uh, have you ever had a chance to smoke with your son? Now that you guys are, is he in the business by the way? He he's an advisor to our business. Okay, have you ever had a chance to smoke with him on the back? I did. Yeah, I did. We have a, a place up in in the mountains and. Uh, we were staying in one night he had the fireplace lit we had the cat near us and we were listening to some music and he pulls out he created a pipe yep. you know i shouldn't even know that he knew how to do this he told me he did it as a kid got a teapot and i don't even know some foil and some other stuff and made a pipe out of it and so he had me try some and i got quite mellow and he still teases me because i i saw the cat lying lying down underneath the the uh, coffee table all stretched out really comfortable and I just looked at the cat and I was pretty comfortable and I said to my son I wish I was a cat but I said it in a, I wish I was a cat type, you know and he he started laughing and he said mom you're stoned and yes. I said no I'm not he goes yes you are you're stoned and he started laughing and he said I got my mom stoned oh <laughs> uh, that's pretty good so he's an advisor he doesn't work day to day in the business but he 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 helps you out and talks to you a little bit about it what, what, yeah, he's a ca our capital markets advisor. So he's got a lot more experience than I do with the public markets. So I he see. takes companies public and advises afterwards. So he helps us with our capital market strategy. Okay, very good. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to talk to you offline about investing or, or buying some stock, especially because I saw it was it was at a at a price that I. At first, I'm surprised by it. I'm like, okay, wait, is that right? But maybe, maybe now is the time. I didn't know you were doing that much. Now money is and, the time. Yeah, you got that right. Plus, I get the. Now I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, you've been on the podcast, and I know you, and I feel even more comfortable. That's very good. Okay, let me ask you a couple of more questions here, kind of uh, outside of the business, a little bit worldly topics, and how they affect CEOs and people running businesses. I want to ask you a couple of questions. How did you handle COVID? were you like super conservative and strict about it with your business were you a little looser where are you at now with it just how did you guys deal with it i'm just curious well the first thing was safety right so you know we made sure that everybody was masked up um, really looked after our employees made sure that they they were comfortable um, made sure that they were educated knew what they were doing how to protect themselves in and out of of the, the store and then we we had limitations on how many people we could have in the store. Some of those were imposed by uh, government sanctions. Some of them we created ourselves just to create that distancing. And you know, thankfully we're in San Diego where the, the weather is nice year round. So we could help customers as they were standing in line, we could engage with them and help them understand what we were doing and uh, what, how help move them through the, the process a little bit more quickly so that they didn't have to be exposed to anybody for very long. Our delivery business really, you know, grew dramatically as did our curbside pickup. 
Okay. Um, so we did that. Um, you know, you, the, did you force did you force your folks to get vaccinated or no? No, I, I don't believe in, in in forcing anybody to do anything. You know, okay. we gave them the, it, it was their choice, and okay. there were there were rules. If you if you weren't vaccinated, then you you would have to wear a mask until you know COVID stopped being an issue. Okay. And uh, we we had them take t regular testing, do regular testing. We provided oh. the tests for them. Okay. And uh, if if people didn't feel well, we you know gave them uh, time off with pay. Okay. And what about now? What's the rule now? Do you still have to wear a mask or no? If you're if you're not vaccinated or you're you're not comfortable, you still wear a mask. Um, our our customers don't wear masks unless they want to. They don't, they don't have to. It's not we're not requiring it. And uh, it's not a requirement anymore of the, of the county. Okay. Have you had any pushback from employees or like, hey, man, look, I just watched, I just watched the Super Bowl. I watched 80,000 people at the Super Bowl not wearing masks. Why do I have to wear a mask? You get, you get no, you know, that? California is pretty conservative that way. So conservative in terms of being very careful. I see. So I, it's, it's actually maybe other jurisdictions might push back, but we, we haven't had any pushback. Okay. You know, the other thing too is that, that the cannabis industry is a young industry and there's a lot of volatility, a lot of, of changeover. So mm -hmm. it's, it's quite possible that if an employee didn't like our policy, that they would just quit okay. without telling us that that was the reason. Uh, but gotcha. generally speaking, it's not something that we, we have you know been fighting against. We, we've had a really cooperative workforce. How do you feel about, and, you know, all of our, go ahead. All of our employees are um, are shareholders. We it, when we give every oh. one of our, our full time employees shares in Gabby. Oh. So you know if we help them understand that, that what they're doing is for the benefit of the company, and that it therefore benefits them, it's it, they see it from a different perspective. Oh, I shouldn't negotiated that before the podcast. We get some shares. <laughs> How do you feel about uh, remote workers? Not 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 the bud tenders or people who work in the store, of course, but I don't know marketing or you know anybody else are you 100% remote on on other positions do you have an office separate from the dispensary talk to me about that we do have an office that's separate from the dispensary but it's just across the um the the way i don't even know what you'd call it like a pavilion type thing okay so we're we're very close um you know if people want to work from home because they feel more comfortable and or safer i absolutely have no objection to that I do believe that if possible, people should try to get together, even if they're dis socially distancing for mm -hmm. safety reasons. But the, just the dynamic of being face to face with somebody is so different than being remote. So I think that, you know, a, a mix is probably the best answer. If you want to stay home part of the time, but come into the office some of the time, I think that's really a win win for everybody. Okay. What are your thoughts on um, some of these CEOs that, that are super aggressive on their social media accounts where they, they speak out and they, they take sides on stuff and they're yelling about certain hot topics? What are your thoughts on that? You know, I don't like it. I, I think it's not fair because you've got employees that are on one side or the other side of a particular issue. You've got customers that are on one side or the other. I actually had a, a service provider and I, I won't say who it is who came out on, on, on the political front for a particular candidate. And I just found it so offensive that he would send this nasty email about the opposing candidate, you know, that, and I thought it's none of his business who were how I vote. And it's, I frankly don't think it's my business how he votes. And I, I basically stopped that service. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's the risk you run. I just think that there's, there's just not a place for that level of intolerance. Mm -hmm. 
So I completely agree. And by the way, I ask uh, that question to just about everybody coming on the podcast right now. I do get a mixed bag of answers, but um, in general, I believe exactly what you just said. I, I don't think the CEO should be speaking as a, as a voice for 150 employees. Like you said, I mean, there's going to be so many different opinions in there. You're going to alienate somebody. You're going to piss somebody off. You're going to piss off vendors. You're going to piss off customers. I mean, why, why, why would you do that? I don't, I see, I see people yeah, doing that. I, I, I see people with service businesses like, like lawyers or consultants that have a service business and I will see them go online and blast something political or something. And I always think to myself, why are you doing that, man? That's, I don't get it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, this particular CEO who sent this particular nasty message about a political candidate, he's uh, the only reason he knew my email address was because he was a service provider. He wasn't a friend. If you want to, you know, blast out your point of view to a friend, by all means, that makes perfect sense. But don't use your business relationships as a platform to push your point of view. Good stuff. And what saddens me now is that there's such a level of intolerance, right? And, you know, it's, I find that really unfortunate because people feel alienated and, and feel that they're not being heard, right, because of that level of intolerance. So I, I think we should tolerate different points of view and be very careful how we share our points of view. That's the key, right? I, I like, I'm, I'm definitely for the First Amendment and I'm all about everybody being able to speak their mind. I just think when you're speaking as a CEO to, to try to, to try to, I don't know, summarize how your company feels. I just think that's irresponsible. But like you said, if you want to call me personally and talk to me about whatever, yeah, cool, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm all for everybody speaking up. I just think if you're in certain roles, you should be careful not to. Yeah, I agree. I, I know at RiderFlex, I'm, I'm always, you know, we've had, I've had a couple of, uh, of our recruiters tell me over the last couple of years, you know, whatever the hot button is this month, right? It's always something. And I'll have recruiters say, oh, we need to like, take a side on this and speak out about this. And I'm like, no, no. I said, first of all, uh, I want uh, customers from both sides. <laughs> totally. And, and secondly, I have 20 recruiters on staff. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take one side and, and assume that they all feel that way. I'm not doing that. But anyway, um, one more question on this, this topic, just a little bit. I'm just curious what you think about this. Speaking of and I know we're way away from business, but I like to get the insight of CEOs like you on this stuff. On the the, the topic of like First Amendment and the ability to speak up and the ability to, to say things, how, how do you feel about this censorship or this cancel culture where people are, I don't know, they have a YouTube channel or whatever, and all of a sudden YouTube just wipes them off the face of the planet and cancels their stuff. How, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I forgot who said it, um, but somebody more famous than I said, I, I will defend to the death your right to disagree with me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's because of it, it, that is what, it, what democracy is all about, is our ability to disagree with each other. And I, I actually, it bothers me that, that somebody at YouTube or somebody at Google or somebody at Facebook is taking it upon themselves to censor what I see or what I read or what I hear. Like, how dare they? Who gave them that authority? Right. I couldn't agree more. Totally agree. Um, and then I hear people say the pushback sometimes is, well, they're trying to make sure that what is said is true. And then I, and my response to that is who's deciding if it's true. Somebody right. at a little, somebody at a little desk, like a little workers deciding if it's true. Like, come on, man. 
<laughs> right. I mean, quite frankly, we should all be be cautious about what we read and what we hear, and yes. we should decide for ourselves what is true and what is correct and what isn't. I, I don't need somebody to do that for me. And the only way to get to what you think is true is to hear all sides and let people be able to say what they think. That's the Absolutely. Otherwise, yeah. it's brainwashing. I couldn't agree more. Uh, so we'll, Google will probably hear our interview and bug it. Radiflex will get shut down. <laughs> Podcast will get closed. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're wrapping up here. I just got a couple more questions. I may have asked you these before, but I want to ask you again. Um, my favorite two questions. Uh, now that you're a grandma, congratulations again, by the way. Uh, uh, Thank you. Yeah, by the way, you look great. You don't look like a grandma. So just you're looking good. It's amazing what hair dye does. <laughs> uh, if you could call your 21 year old self now after uh knowing what you know and learning everything you've learned especially over the last five or ten years what would you tell that young lady i would tell her not to be in such a rush mm. you know life is sit down and enjoy more yeah and maybe try some weed while you're at it <laughs> <laughs> What, what's Margot's core purpose in life moving forward right now, if you had to define it in, in a sentence, maybe? You know, I'm all about empowerment. Um, so everything I do is, is an endeavor to empower, whether it's a consumer, whether it's an employee, whether it's a friend, I, I'm always about empowerment. So I try to live my life with helping people live whatever their dream is. Okay, very good. Margo, congratulations on everything that you have accomplished, especially over the last uh, few tough years in not only the cannabis business, but dealing with COVID. Congrats. Happy thank for you. Thank you. Thank and you very thank you much. For, and thank you for being on the show uh, again and sharing your story. We need to, we got, I want to come out to California, have a cocktail, maybe get your son there, spark up a joint. <laughs> All right, I'm in. You tell me when. <laughs> 